Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful uh, that you are with us. Whether you're joining us here inside, or maybe you're in the courtyard, or maybe you're watching from home or some other place, we're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, and I want to let you know, um, please do not miss next week. Uh, next week, we've got some uh, pretty cool things happening. We've uh, got some cool things for you, some things that are going to be happening outside. Uh, but we also probably have the uh, biggest announcement we've ever made as a church. Uh, so please don't miss it. I'm so excited. Uh, can't wait to see what God's going to do. Uh, so make sure you're back here next Sunday, uh, whether you're joining us online or in person. Make sure that you attend. It's going to be better in person, I promise you. Uh, so if you feel comfortable and can make it, do that. But either way, make sure you join us today. We're starting a new series called We Are Front Range. And what we're doing is we're looking at our core values. You know, our mission as a church is uh, what we say every week, helping people build community, discover their purpose, grow in their faith in Jesus. But we have these core values, these five values that really are the lens by which we look at everything. The decisions that we make, the, 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 the certain things that we talk about, the, the topics that we, we uh, discuss on Sunday mornings are all derived from these five values. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about four of them because one, we just did an entire series on. One of our values is contagious generosity. We just did an entire series on that, so I'm not going to talk about it again. Uh, but the other ones we're going to hit on over the next four weeks. So we're going to hit on authentic community. We're going to hit on uh, celebrating family. We're going to hit on intentional neighboring. And then today, we're hitting on the, the value that really underlines them all. This is the value that if you take away all the other values, everything else we do, that if we have this value, then our lives will be transformed and those other things will, will fall into place. And it's the value of spiritual maturity. Now, what is spiritual maturity? When you think about spiritual maturity, what do you think about? For me, when I think of spiritual maturity, I think about individuals in my life. I think about one pastor that, that used to tell me, Ernest, if you don't get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray for at least two hours every day, you'll do nothing for Jesus. I'm like, ah, that's terrible. Uh, so maybe that's spiritual maturity. Or I think about an article I read last week where this girl was talking about how she reads the Bible for eight hours a day, a day. I'm like, man, if that's spiritual maturity, I have a long ways to go. Or maybe it's posting, you know, verses on social media. Or maybe it's wearing a WWJD bracelet. Remember those things? Back in, back in the 90s, those are actually coming back around for some reason. I'm like, students, don't bring those back, please. Uh, but, but they are. It, maybe that's spiritual maturity. What does it mean to be spiritually mature? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? This is the age-old question that the followers of Jesus have been asking for, for you know, a long time now. Of What does it mean to actually be a disciple of Christ? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And I believe this topic really impacts everything in your life. I mean, why should we care about spiritual maturity? Because it impacts everything else that you do. It, literally everything. It impacts your marriage. It impacts your relationships, it impacts your finances, it impacts your, your decisions at, at your workplace, it impacts your schooling, it impacts your parenting. Literally every decision that you make, if you grow in your spiritual maturity, if you can get to a place where you're like, man, I'm more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, then you're going to be making greater decisions in your life that will bring about greater outcomes, the outcomes that ultimately God wants for you. 
So this, 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 this topic, this spiritual maturity topic is the absolute most essential one that we can discuss. And that's why we're starting this series out with it. Now, how do you tell if you're spiritually mature? Well, uh, there's been organizations throughout the years, especially the last like three decades, who have tried to decide, man, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean for a church to be making disciples? And usually when they've done these surveys, they've always focused on four main areas. They said, if you, uh, do you go to church? Do you serve? Do you give? And are you in some type of community group? And the thought process was, if you're doing those four things, if you could check those four boxes, I go to church, I serve, I give, and I'm in a group, then you must be spiritually mature. You must be doing everything right to get to a place where you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm doing really well in this area. That's how churches, especially the American church, has been deciding whether or not they're doing a good job with helping people become disciples. The problem is, over the last year and a half, that's gone awire. I mean, COVID hit and every American church, probably every church in the world, but every American church for sure, began realizing that they have people in their church that were doing those four things. They were coming to church, maybe not every week, but at least once a month or something like that. They were serving, they were giving, and they were in groups, and those people were beginning to spiral. I mean, those people began to put uh, politics over Jesus. They began to disengage from the church. The marriages were struggling and all these things. So, uh, you, man, you can go to church and you can serve and you can give and you can be in a group. And then we began looking at people going, what is going on? These same people that we thought were spiritually mature, that as a church we were doing the right thing and telling them, just do these four things and you'll grow. We're looking at them going, what is happening? Over the last year and a half, I've seen marriages and siblings and best friends separate over COVID issues, over mass or no mass, vaccine, no vaccine. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, how can we sit there and say that like Jesus is first in our life and we're allowing these trivial things? And some of you are like, it's not trivial, whatever. These trivial things to separate us. Like family members and friends that are no longer talking to one another because of these issues. Uh, we've watched people that, especially early on when most churches went just virtual uh, early on in the pandemic, and we watch people that uh, because their only way of getting God's word, they weren't reading it on their own, they weren't listening to it, or anything. the only way they were getting God's word was on Sunday morning. And they... We weren't meeting in person, and so we went virtual, and some people were like, well, I'm just not doing that whole deal. So I, I, friends of mine went months without hearing the word of God because they weren't reading it, they weren't listening to it, and the only way they were getting it is if they came to church in person because we were all virtual. They are like, I'm not doing that. So now you don't have God's word. How can you grow spiritually if you don't have God's word? And so this whole belief system that if you just go to church, if you serve, if you give, and you're in a group, if you're doing those four things, man, you're going to be spiritually mature. That's been blown up. For the church as a whole, for the American church especially, it's been blown up. So we've had to ask the question, what does spiritual maturity actually look like? What does it mean for us? This is the biggest question we've been asking as a church since COVID hit, since we began to realize, man, People are spiraling, and, and these are the same people that we thought if you do those four things, then they should be good, and they're doing those four things, and they're not good. They're really struggling. Then what do we need to do differently as a church? 
Like our biggest question hasn't been like, how do we deal with COVID stuff? And how do we deal with the political stuff? And how do we, of course, we've asked those questions and we've tried to walk the best we can through all of that. But the biggest question, because we believe this topic impacts everything, the biggest question is how do we help disciple people? How do we help people grow in their spiritual maturity? If this area impacts every other area of your life, then what do we need to do differently? as a church. Our blame wasn't on any individual, our blame was on ourselves. And my prayer is that the American church, hopefully, and I'm in a bunch of cohorts and most of us are asking these same questions, but my prayer is that every American church would go, we gotta do something different. Like what we've been doing isn't working, we have to help people come to know Christ and then be discipled from there, really look like Jesus from there. So the question is how? So as we've been working on this over the last year and a half, really, as a church, we've said, okay, what does it look like to be uh, spiritually mature? What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ? So what we've done is we've created a Venn diagram. Uh, Venn diagram, we've got three circles in ours. And at the very middle of the Venn diagram, it's kind of the goal where you want to go after, is Jesus. Jesus is at the center of that, okay? And why? Because it's who we're supposed to be like. Uh, He's our savior, but he's also our our model and the one we're supposed to be following after and all that. So Jesus is at the center. In fact, the word Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, means little Christ. It's like Christ Jr. So like that's the goal for all of us is that we should be like Christ, a little Christ. People should be able to say, man, you're just like Jesus. So we believe that if we can really focus on these three circles in our lives, if we can really hone in on these three, then, then we'll become more like Jesus. Now, what we're not saying is that coming to church is not important or serving is not important or giving is, of course those are. I mean, the Bible says, do not neglect meeting together. Uh, the Bible talks about in serving that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and we're to follow in those footsteps. The Bible talks a lot. We just did a whole series on it about generosity and about giving. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about community and how there's no way you and I can grow without community in our lives. So of course those four things have to keep happening. However, this is the direction we're heading as a church to go. This will help you in discerning where you're at in your spiritual maturity and how you can grow from there. So these three circles, let me give you the first one. The first one is to know Jesus, to know Jesus. John 17, uh, chapter 17, verse three, it says this. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this is eternal life. This is salvation. This is what life is all about is to know God, to know Christ. Now, that term that Jesus uses there, to know, it, the, the, the imagery is of a, of a husband and wife that have been married for a long time, that they know each other, that they know the ins and the outs. They know not only the facts about the person, but they know where their heartbeat is. They know what brings them up. They know what brings them down. Sarah and I will have been uh, married for 19 years this coming December. And we feel like, man, we know each other pretty well. And then we get around couples that have been married like 40, 50 years. And we're like, whoa, we have a long ways to go to like know each other. And so that's the imagery that Jesus is using. He say, do you know God? Do you know Christ? Like not just the facts about him, but do you know his heart? So what do you need to know? You need to know two things. You need to know Jesus' story. You need to know Jesus' story. What's Jesus' story? It's this right here. It's from page one to page 1077. At least that's my Bible. That's how many pages. 
Yours might be more, it might be less, but it's somewhere in that range. From page one, you see Jesus. To the very last page, you see Jesus. Sometimes people read scripture and they go, I don't read a whole lot of the Old Testament because it's kind of weird and there's like a lot of strange laws and there's all kinds of things. But the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points to this coming savior. It points to this this rescuer, the, the coming king that will come to save all of us. So the Old Testament is really just setting the stage. Do you know the Old Testament? Do you know the the story of God leading up to the birth of Christ? And then the New Testament is really the story of Jesus and the story of the church once Jesus ascends into heaven. Do you know that story? Then you've got Revelation, which is Jesus is going to come back at some point. Do you know that story? Do you know God's story? Do you know the story of God and how you fit into that? You see, I believe if you don't understand, I'm not saying you have to fully understand and know everything about God. Man, I will read this hopefully a whole lot of times in my lifetime and still not know everything. Okay, so I'm not saying you have to be able to like quote everything and know and all of that. I'm just saying, do you get it? Are you trying to learn more? Are you trying to dive deeper? Because I believe if you don't know the story of God, you don't know how your story fits in that story. So many times in our culture, we make our story, our life, the story. Then my life is like the center of the story. And the reality is our life is just a little blimp in the bigger story. Our story is just a really small dash in the bigger story of God. Do we know the bigger story of God? Do we know the story of Jesus? So what do you need to know? You need to know the story of Jesus. You need to know the heart of Jesus. Do you know the heart of Jesus? Do you know what brings joy to him? Do you know what brings anger to him? Anger to Jesus? Man, there's so many times in the New Testament where he becomes angry. Do you know what those things are? Not just for those people 2,000 years ago, but for us today. Do you know what brings him anger? Do you know what breaks his heart? Do you know what the things are in this world that he looks at and he just, he sobs over? Do you know what brings joy? Do you know what brings anger? Do you know what breaks his heart? I I remember being in college one time and, uh, one time, like I went so many times, but it was my freshman year and I guess technically I did, but whatever. Uh, My freshman year, I remember going to this thing and they showed this video about just some of the, the tragedies that are going on in the world and uh, things like sex trafficking that, that Steve just mentioned and things like slavery that still exists. And I mean, there's so many issues in this world. I'm watching it and I, I just begin to sob. And I was like, why am I crying? This is so weird. I'm here to get girls, not to do this, you know, like, and so I'm just like sobbing. And, I, and the reason why I was sobbing is because I realized my heart hadn't broken for those things in quite a long time. The the whole video was about like, this is what God's heart breaks for. Does your heart break for these things? And I was like, mine mine wasn't. My heart was breaking for like my own selfish things, not for the things of God. So do you know what brings joy to God's heart? Do you know what brings anger to his heart? Do you know what, what breaks his heart? And you find that out by reading the story, right? You find that out by, by having discussions with other people. But to really know Jesus, you have to know the story and you have to know his heart. How well do you know his story? How well do you know his heart? So that's one circle. The second circle, you gotta, not only got to know Jesus, but you got to follow Jesus. You got to follow 
Jesus. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, it says this, why do you call me Lord? This is Jesus talking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So he's saying, if you, if you hear my words, if you go to church and you hear my word, if you read scripture and you hear my word, if you're in a community group and you hear my word and you do those things, it's like you're, you're digging deep this foundation and, and you're going to build your house, the house of your life and, and what you're trying to build with your, your marriage or your parenting or your friendships and your job. So you're going to build this house on a rock. And man, when the storms come, because guess what? They're going to come. And when they come, you're going to be immovable. You're going to be immovable, not because you're strong or because you're great, but because you built this foundation on what God tells you to build it on. And then he says, conversely, you've got these people that, that they hear the word of God, they hear what God tells them to do, and they choose to not listen to it anyways. And guess what they're building on? They're building on sand. And over the last year and a half, man, we've watched a lot of storms come into all of our lives, all of our lives. And we've seen houses crumble. We've seen houses crumble. And yes, there's always like we could have done this better and we could have done this better and, we could, and, and this person shouldn't have done this and, and all that. But you go all the way back to what was it built on? What's the foundation? My finances have crumbled. What were they built on? My parenting has crumbled. What was it built on? And Jesus makes it very clear. If you build it on my words, if you just follow me and what I, what I command, you're going to be okay. He's not saying you won't have storms, that the winds won't come and the floods won't come and, and you'll just have this happy life. He's not saying that. He's saying when it all comes, you're going to be immovable. I don't know about you, but I want to be immovable. I want to be able to resist all the storms of life and be able to stand firm. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to follow Jesus. You've got to actually do what he says to do. Well, what are the commands of Jesus? Well, he tells us there's a lot of things that we can do in life. There's a lot of things that he directs us to do, but let me give you the three main commands of Jesus. Number one, love God. Love God above everything. Like put God first above everything else in your life. Don't let, allow anything else to creep above him. Don't allow anything else to take his throne. Not politics, not your beliefs about our country or, or the governing forces or any of that. Don't allow this COVID stuff to rise above Jesus. Don't allow your workplace to rise above Jesus. Don't allow your selfishness to rise above Jesus. Don't allow anything to rise above him. Make him first and foremost. He's got to be king. So you got to love God with everything. Then he says, love others as you love yourself. So you love your neighbor, you love the coworker, you love the barista, you love other people in your life as you love yourself. And here's, I, I don't want to go too much on a tangent here, but I think part of the problem we have in our country right now and the ability to love others is because we have an inability to love ourselves. 
I think there are so many people who are struggling to love their neighbor, to love their family member. They get so angry about the decisions that they make. And when you really go deep down, if you love your neighbor as yourself, it's when we're not loving our neighbors well, it's because we're not loving ourselves well. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother message. But it's the reality of the gospel. And we don't like to look there because it means we might have to do some, some soul work and some digging. It's easier to point the finger, but realize there's a few more pointing back at me. It's really on me. Sorry, that's my tangent. So you gotta love God, you gotta love others, and then the, 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 the third great commandment that he gives us is to make disciples. To make disciples. Like, the job of making disciples wasn't left up to the pastor or the church. It was to all those who call themselves followers of Christ. And, and all the studies, if you look at every single study that's ever been done on spiritual maturity, the number one sign of whether or not people are spiritually mature is whether or not they're sharing their faith. Listen to that one. The number one sign of whether or not people are spiritually mature is whether or not people are sharing their faith. For some of us, that's like, ooh. I like to think that I'm spiritually mature, but I can't even think of the last time that I shared my faith or that I invited somebody to church or that I told somebody about my own story, my own testimony. That's not meant to shame anybody. It's, it's meant to challenge me to go, man, this was a command Jesus gave me to make disciples, to go out and to love my neighbor well, to love the people around me well, and to tell them about the greatest story ever. And that salvation is possible. So it's on us. Love God, love others, make disciples. It's really simple. Those are the three greatest commands that Jesus gave to us. So you got to know Jesus. you got to follow Jesus, which means obeying those commands. And then lastly, you've got to model Jesus. you got to model Jesus. Do I look like, sound like, respond to people like Jesus? I mean, what does Jesus look like? I don't know what image of Jesus you have when you think of Jesus. For some of us, we might think he's like this long-haired hippie in white, throwing flowers, you know, saying things about peace or whatever. For some of us, he's that eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, you know. For others of us, he's Jesus wearing the uh, tuxedo T-shirt that says formal, but he's really there to party, you know. Like, I don't know what, what it is for you and the, the imagery that you have of Jesus but when I talk about modeling Jesus, not what did he look like, it's what was his character? Like, how did he respond to people? How did he respond to situations? And where do you go for that? But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So what did Jesus look like? He looked like love. He looked like joy. He looked like peace. He looked like patience, kindness, good, all of those things, those, those nine fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits because they're not, it, you, you can't have one without the other. They have to come together. The nine fruit of the Spirit, what did Jesus look like? And so when you look at, do you know Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? And do you model Jesus? How well do you do at spiritual maturity? 
what area are you doing really well at? You might go, man, I'm, I'm doing really well right now at following Jesus. I'm following those commands. Or I'm doing really well at knowing Jesus. Or I'm doing semi-well at whatever. What do you do well at? And where do you have opportunity for growth? For me, it's situational. I'll just be real honest. For me, it's situational. There are times I think, man, I really know God's story. Like, I'm doing really well. Then I come to church. I hear Pastor Johnny preach, and he's challenging me on something. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to know the story better. Man, that was really, I didn't know that piece. I really need to know the story better. There's times where I think, man, I'm doing really well at obeying God's commands. And then my neighbor's dog wakes me up in the middle of the night, and I don't love him or his dog. I want to put hands on him, you know. <laughs> Cut that from the tape. Let's not do that. No. But I don't love him in that moment. Or there's times where I think, man, I'm doing really well at, at maybe experiencing peace in my life, at, at really living with peace. And then my kids interrupt my peace by waking me up. And the, there's a theme in my life. If you wake me up, I do not look like or sound like Jesus at all. It's situational for me so many times, and I don't want it to be situational. Like, I want to know and model and follow Jesus, not based on the circumstances going on around me, but based on this, this foundation that I've created. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna walk through a little assessment uh, together. So here's what, we're gonna put a screen, uh, 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 yeah, a slide up on the screen uh, and you can text the word grow. We're gonna do this right now. We're gonna all do this, do this together. So if you're not doing it, you're the odd one out, okay? Uh, that's totally fine. You don't have to, but I really, really encourage you to do it. So get out your phone and text the word grow to the number on the screen or use the QR code. QR code is a lot easier. Uh, but you can text the word GROW. If you text it, you'll get a text message back. We're going to walk through this together, okay? It's going to take like maybe two minutes to do. So I'll give you a little bit of time. Get out your phone. Some of you are like, I can't believe you're telling me to get off my phone at church. You're welcome. I was, I was sitting in the back one time and I was watching a guy play solitaire. <laughs> Some, as one of our guys was preaching, I'm like, so you're using your phone, so get it out now for your own spiritual maturity. Uh, okay, you can do the QR code or whatever. Click on the link once you get it. Hopefully, you'll get it at some point. Or do the QR code. It's a lot quicker. It goes straight to the form. We've created this form, this assessment to help you, to help you grow in your spiritual maturity. All right? Get the text. Once you got the text, click on the on the, on the link, and then let me show you what it looks like from there. So then it pulls up this uh, uh, discipleship assessment uh, on your phone, um, and then once that's on there, then you can start filling out the information. So you go there. Uh, the first thing on there is your email. So you can do that. Uh, if, it's, if it's like mine, it's, uh, I got autofill. Then you got first name, last name, phone number. You could put a phone number. You don't have to. It's totally cool. We're going to email you your results. That's why we need your email. So you do that. Go to next. And then you're going to be asked certain questions about your, where you're at right now spiritually and where you're at with knowing Jesus, with modeling Jesus, with following Jesus. So take a moment, just a very few questions. There's very few. Answer those where you feel like you are on that scale. I rarely put a five on anything. That's just me. I'm a lot harder on myself. Once you get done with that page, go to the next one. 
Again, more questions. We're looking at each of the three areas, the model, the know, and the follow. So answer those questions as you get through there. We're doing this as well. Then you can go to the next page once you're ready. And that's the last page. It's only three areas, super simple, just a few questions. Literally doesn't take you longer than probably two minutes. Take your time in answering. If you're like, man, I just really don't know where I'm at with this one. Please don't let all your answers be threes. <laughs> once you get done, hit submit. And once you hit submit, then that'll go into, uh, I don't know where it goes actually. Uh, I don't know anything about technology, uh, but you're gonna get an email at some point today. Okay, for some of you, you're, you might get it in 10 minutes, and some of you, it might take five hours. Okay, it's been pretty quick, but I don't know how quick it's gonna be with a couple hundred people doing it. So when, whenever you get it, your spouse might get it in, a, in five minutes, and you might get it in five hours. It's okay. Don't call us and say, I haven't got mine yet. You will get it, I promise you. And then you'll be able to look. You'll be able to look at your assessment, kind of some of your results. And then what we've done is we've created some resources and, and some pages to help you in your journey. So, hey, here's where you're, you're kind of where you stack up with knowing Jesus, and here's some great resources to help you. And here's kind of where you are with modeling and with following, and here's some great resources to help you. You're also going to get a follow-up from somebody this week. They're going to email you. If you'd prefer a phone call, we can do that as well. But we're definitely going to email you and just say, hey, hopefully you got your assessment, you got your resources, do you have any questions, do you need help with anything, stuff like that. If you're in a place where you're like, man, I really would like for somebody to walk me through some of, of these resources and maybe meet with me and stuff like that, we have people in our church that would love to do that. They would love to meet with you over coffee or lunch or whatever just to go, hey, where are you at spiritually? And let us walk on this journey together. Spiritual maturity is the most important value that we have as a church. I think it's the most important thing that you can focus on in your life because it impacts everything else, everything else. The question is, are we willing to, to diagnose where we are in our spiritual maturity? And then are we willing to take steps to grow? Are we willing to take steps to grow? I love this quote, I'm gonna end with this, by A.W. Tozer. He's one of my favorite theologians and he says this, it, it's really challenging for me when I read this, and, and, I, and I hope it encourages and challenges you. He says, I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. Check this out. The lack of it, the lack of this longing after God has brought us to our present lowest state. I don't know if there's anything more true. He wrote this 50 years ago. I don't know if there's something more true that can be said today. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with so many of us, including myself, he waits so long, so very long in vain. Father, I come before you and I pray that you would not have to wait in vain or long for us to desire you, for us to pursue after you, for us to, to take our spiritual growth seriously, to take this, this topic of spiritual maturity to a, another level. 
That, Father, you wouldn't have to wait for that, that today would spark something in us, that, that, God, we would see that, man, there are things that need to change in my life. There are things that need to change in my relationships. There are things that need to change in my parenting. There are things that need to change in my workplace. And, God, I can, I can easily talk about, for me personally, I can easily, God, name the things that other people need to change. That's real easy for me to do. But, God, I know that there's change that needs to happen in me. And I pray that it would start with spiritual maturity. I pray that as we look at those three circles, Father, that we would discern where we are in knowing you, like really knowing who you are, knowing your story, knowing your heart. And God, I know that first starts with us giving our lives over to you. And many of us in this room and watching online in the courtyard, we've done that. We've given our our lives over to you. But God, I know every single week we have people who walk into this place. If we're being real honest, we'd say, man, I'm not walking with Jesus right now. Maybe you made a commitment to Christ a long time ago, or or maybe you never had. Maybe it's your first time in church, but you'd be real honest and say, you know what? I'm I'm not walking with him right now. I can't say that I know Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to know that God's saying, come home today. Come home. It's real simple. It doesn't take you having to do a bunch of things and jumping through a bunch of hoops. It's just you simply acknowledging where you are. It's our sin that brought us to this lowest state, to this place where we've been trying to do it on our own. But, man, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need forgiveness of my sins. And I want to come home today. And if that's you... With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, Ernest, today, man, I do, I want to come home. I want to give my life to Christ, or I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to start this journey afresh. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen, 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 amen. So many. God, thank you. Thank you for each one of these individuals. Father, if you're watching online, you can just simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. And I thank you, Father, that you know each one of these individuals by name. You know their story, and you love them deeply. So much so that you would go to the cross for our sins, for their sins, for my sins. And, Father, I thank you that you give us an opportunity to be forgiven, that you welcome us home. So, Father, that's the first step in and really our spiritual maturity. I thank you for these individuals that made that step today. Father, for all of us, I pray you would tell us what our next steps are in knowing and following and modeling. And may we not be controlled by the circumstances around us or by the junk going on in the world. But may, we be, may we build our house on this firm foundation, this rock that is you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.